tired. So tired. Overtired. You are listening to Overtired. I am here today with, uh, I'm Christina Warren, by the way. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm here. Hey, hey, Brett. Um, so this is, uh, this is our second uh, episode that we are doing with uh, Jeff Severns. And we're uh, so excited. We had such a great time talking with him um, for both the last episode and, and, and our episode last week that we had to continue this conversation. So, Jeff, Brett, how are you both? Good. I am good. Jeff, so you, your, your last name is like hyphenated, right? Yeah, without a hyphen. I was going to say, hy- sorry it's like about two, that. And see, and I, and I miss Jeff Severn's Gunsel. I'm sorry. I like only saw the oh, first half of that. I'm, I'm the worst. totally fine. I've just always wondered which one of those is your birth name? Uh, Gunsel. Gunsel. And, and the weird thing is like, I often get emails addressed to Stephen that are definitely to me. They're from people that I've like just met or something. And I don't know if they see the Severn's and they decide I'm Stephen. That's totally what it is. Is it? Yeah, That's it's totally so it weird. I called you Stephen for years. Let's talk about Jeff for a second. Jeff, yeah. who are you? Um, I, 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 I. Uh, let's start with the most immediate. I'm sitting in my home office in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I was a reporter for about 25 years or so, um, and then switched to something I call investigative research. So, I focus right now on the juvenile justice system in a, one particular county in the U.S. and am working to develop ways to see inside the system so that you can sort of know what questions to ask. The premise being that there's so much sort of opaqueness in the in the juvenile justice system. Of course, that's really important in many ways and for many reasons, but that when you start doing uh, work of an investigative nature, the first thing you realize very, very quickly is that that opaqueness is also protecting people who are doing harm to kids in the system. And, and, and unlike, you know, if you're covering adult prison or something that still can be hard or people or adults in the criminal justice system, it could still be difficult, but like, there's a lot, there are a lot more inroads or a lot more windows to peer through to kind of understand, you know, what's going on here, what might be patterns of harm here. And with the juvenile justice system, it's just so difficult. And so I, I work with some programmers and I, I work with some qualitative data people and, and our work is, is sort of, Part of our work is sort of um, focused on creating tools for seeing into the system that can be used um, more broadly than just in one county. If you want a if you want a more in depth uh, look at what Jeff does, uh, he was on one of the last episodes of Systematic before its possibly permanent hiatus. Maybe I don't know, but uh, back in June of 2021, he was on episode 261 of Systematic, and we talked about uh, his investigative research and his 20 years of journalism, and definitely worth checking out. And Brett, Brett does that work with me now a little bit, which is really amazing. I help with automation, which is you know my Not way. It's thing. my way. Like we've often talked about, Al and I talk about how. Uh, when, when push comes to shove, we, we have very specific roles we can play in, in a crisis. And like, I'm not great at any kind of like, I don't show up for, uh, protests in the street, but I will 100% be the guy that like goes and buys, um, materials, uh, gallons of milk and like hands them out. Like that's, I'm, I'm a, I'm a behind the scenes guy. And if I can help 
with automation in a, an important project like what Jeff is doing, I'm happy. Well, and you, you, no, it's it's more than just automation. Like it, certainly that's what you do, and that's you know what you do really incredibly. But it's it's about um, just as we're creating a model for being able to look into the system, we're also trying to create essentially a tool set so that it doesn't require a staff of five mm-hmm. to try to do something, and especially so that when you're doing work that is really trauma-facing, right? And a lot of people that do trauma-facing work do it uh, kind of out of their own trauma, right? That can actually get in the way of your productivity. And so what Brett helps so much with is just making sure, hey, there's some important steps you have to take every time you interview somebody with every kind of data you bring in, whatever. And and this tool is going to make sure that you do it right without having to really think about it too hard because we can all get so paralyzed by like, oh crap, I have to take these six tedious steps. So it is automation and it is automation for the reason that people do automation. But but I also, I think it's bigger than that. And Brett's really like created um, some spaciousness for me doing the work with some of the way that he um, builds tools. So we should and that was true. That, that was, shit, huh? and that was true, but yeah, we should finish that shit. And that was true before uh, we worked together. I was, I was using your stuff forever. So anyway. Um, all right. So last episode, we're going to have a mental health corner after I promise these two, we could talk about the real world, which is not going to involve me much at all. Um, but you two, I'll let you do your own lead in and everything. Let's get back to pop culture for a sec. Yes. Okay. So I kind of wanted to close out like our, we, we talked all about the 90s last episode, but what we didn't get into and when we both wanted to, because Jeff put this on our list and I was very excited because I know that Brett doesn't care, but I do. And I feel like I'm the only one who does. Um, it's, in my mind, one of the most important television shows of the 90s was The Real World. And uh, for, for, for so, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. True so story. True story. And, uh, and, and uh, I, uh, they, they brought it back last year that they now had two seasons and a th- third one's coming where uh, basically last year it took place like during the pandemic um, they re-rented for a couple of weeks the original loft that the first season of the real world in New York State and back when no one knew what it was going to be and they got the all of the original um, cast members back together except for Eric Neese who was stuck in a hotel because he had COVID um, and uh it was a very interesting reunion and a very interesting kind of documentary project of like bringing these people who changed television kind of back together, uh, you know, 30 years later. Um, and uh, and then they redid uh, Los Angeles as the true story uh, uh, season. <laughs> That's right. I'm doing season two, aren't I, when I do that? <laughs> yeah, true story. And then uh, I think the next one's going to be uh, from like uh, one of the more popular areas. Like it was definitely a completely different show at that point, but it was New Orleans. So. Anyway, let's talk about this. Jeff, have have you been watching them? Which one have you watched or have you watched them both? Okay, so I'm particularly interested in um, the New York uh, group. Yes. Um, and what happened was I watched the first probably 15 minutes of the first episode and realized that I really wanted to go revisit the original, which for me, I watched in real time. I mm-hmm. I was absolutely fixated. I, I, there, you know, I... I was at a, I was at an age like what was it like ninety two I think right yeah it was ninety two um, yeah. so I was going to graduate for, well I didn't graduate but I was supposed to graduate from high school in a year and um and I was really 
really wondering constantly circling what does it mean to be an adult out in the world what does it mean to be out there what does it look like how did people talk to each other like i was a pretty like i had a group of friends which was my band for most of my time in high school but i was really i really kept to myself i just you know one of those kids didn't feel like i related to anybody and so i just kept to myself and had this like really intense like life in my mind and and i just felt like this whole minimum security prison thing called high school like the second i get out I'm just going to live a real life. And and this for me was like the was like such an interesting window. As like, you know, as overly produced and sort of dishonest as a as a reality TV show can be, we now know, right? It doesn't matter because what I did see, right. just what I got was more it was less about is this interaction true? And it was more about what that person is saying right now or how they're right. expressing that emotion and how these people are handling thing handling things like racial tension and sexual tension yeah. and everything. Like I didn't have anybody modeling that for me. I mean, I just I lived, I was an only child and lived with my mom. And like, so for me, it was like it was huge. And it just made me want to be an adult so goddamn bad. And sometimes it made me want to be an adult so bad because I was like, ah, I wouldn't have had that problem in there. Totally. Totally. Or you're like, I want to hang out with Julie. Or I, 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 well, I, I, Julie I, Julie's almost great. exactly a year older than me. And so so she this that really felt close, you know. Right. Right. Um, so so for, for, for listeners who might not be aware, so the first season of The Real World, and I actually think that in terms of Homecoming, it is far and away like the, the two seasons that have, that have aired so far, it is, it is definitely the better of, of the two. The, the second one, which makes sense, um, is much more like more of the traditional kind of reality thing we've known, which also makes sense. But what was so interesting about the first season of The Real World was that they didn't no one knew what they were getting into and no one knew what they were doing. So even though there are production elements to it and, and it's not a true verite documentary thing, it is much, much closer to that than what happened even the next season. Because at that point, it had been on television and people understood what the reach could be and what the potential could be and started to change how they acted. Whereas with the the first season, no one knew that it was going to become this phenomenon and that MTV would re-air it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, I was like seven and I, I watched it all the time. And 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 I would watch, I don't know if I watched it in real time or if I started watching it the, the second year, but I definitely saw the first season and definitely have seen every episode of probably the the first, you know, five or six seasons, probably actually going all the way through, I don't know, uh, Seattle, I, I watched a lot too. I mean, and I, I watched the, the one subsequent to that, but like there was an era in my life, especially when I was like in, in elementary and like middle school, where I would just spend my weekends just watching MTV and watching real world marathons. So I've seen some of these episodes, like it, it feels like hundreds of times. It hasn't been, but but it feels like I've seen these episodes like so many times. Well, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say though, but what's so interesting about that first season is that no one knew. And so I think that what you see with it, especially like from that, your perspective of you being that perfect age for the audience was you got to kind of see these possibilities and these different interactions and conversations that just weren't happening on television then. Yeah. Like not at all. And, and also like, I, am I correct that this is considered like, what's considered like the first reality TV show? This is Okay, so the first one would be there was one in the seventies that was like a PBS thing, kind of uh, like the the family. But this is honestly like the birth of it as we know it. Like, yeah, I thought because I had never seen anything like that, and all I did was watch TV. I mean, like, right. I watched six to ten hours a night after school every day, and like, I imagine what <laughs> if if I had to sell this to somebody, why would you go back and watch this right now? Right, like, you would watch it because 
It's the only opportunity you have to watch a reality TV show where no one, including the producers, knew what a reality TV show was. Right, right, right. Because because I think up until so, so the very first one, the one that most people point to, I think there have been some other things, was there was a PBS series in 1973 called An American Family. And um and and then there was like um like like kind of a UK version that kind of came from that. But uh, that's PBS, right? And and that's yeah. definitely done as like more of a documentary style thing. Whereas the real world was, you know, they had like the music because it was MTV. They had music rights to be able to use all the like the best like music of that era, like in the in the quick cuts. And and you had you know the the you know confessional footage, and and you had like other stuff, you know, and it was just I don't know stylistically, it's just very different from anything that we'd seen until then. And, and at that point, even though like MTV had a distinct style, like that was, to my knowledge, I think they'd had some game shows, but that was like MTV's first foray into, like there was MTV news, but it, yeah. into yeah. like, like programming, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and like I, so I started watching MTV the, the year it, it came out. And I remember in like 1984, my brother and I had this game where the credits for the video would come on about, I think, two seconds after the video started, maybe four, and mm-hmm. you would see the name of the artist, the song, the album, right. the director, all this stuff. And we had this game where we had to try to get all of those credits out of our mouth before it came on. And like, it was so about music and so about that and, and, and like knowing who's doing what videos and you know, what album that's from. Like it was this, it was this awesome enhancement for, for fans. Like all of a sudden you had a little more data to take in and right. you were a little more consistently exposed to it. And so I loved it just for music forever and ever and ever. Like I still have VHS recordings of most of the video music awards from those days, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they were they were huge. And and I mean, but that's another thing too. You know, 92, like that the the show comes out and like no one who was in it knew that it was going to become this phenomenon. And right. you know, it, it starts airing not long after they um um stopped filming. I think they might have even had them like doing some of the photo shoot stuff of the very last things they were, you know, um mm. like episodes. And then it it becomes just this this phenomenon. And they wind up at the at the VMAs and are like bigger stars yeah. in some cases than, you know, the the actual musicians. And that makes the homecoming thing, I think, really interesting because you see all of them reunited and where they are in their lives and how they're still grappling in some cases with with what happened, you know, yeah. 30 years previously. And like I I got to thinking about you know, because like any reality TV show, there are all these sort of blow ups and there are some like legitimate, like sort of really difficult conversations that happen. We don't really know how they were handled because it's edited. Right. But we right. know that like we know that there were real tears. We know that there was real screaming. And we know that that was the tears and the screaming were coming from people who had no idea what reality TV was or how right. it would look how and when it aired and so i was thinking a lot about so like i'm again like i'm a year exactly younger than than julie who i think was the youngest she was the youngest and she was sort of the the protagonist like i mean they were all kind of you know in that thing but like she was the one who i have to think that when they found her like the casting people because it was a casting process and the people were, were artists and she was a dancer but i have to think that when they found her that the even even if you're new to the genre of television and that genre was brand new but even if you're like new to that like you see someone like her and i would just think even from like a documentary perspective like yeah. it would just light up you would just go holy shit totally you know? yeah and like 
So then she comes out of, I think, Birmingham. She had yep. never left and she goes to New York and, and like, you could, you could feel that, you know what I mean? Yep. Like I could, as a white kid in the suburbs, like I could feel that. Right. Totally. And, like, and what was, and what was interesting about her is that, and, and this is different than when they would kind of do the fish out of water thing, the other stuff is that it would be easy to put her in a boat of, okay, well, she's just like a, a, a you know, a hillbilly, like you know, boy. whatever. But, but she, she was really open to new experiences. And, and, and obviously, you know, the most famous thing from that season was, is the, the fight between her and, and Kevin Powell, mm-hmm. um, about, about race, black. Yeah. Uh, who's black, yeah, a, a, about race. And, and they deal with that a lot in, in the, the homecoming show. Um, but even like, if you go back and watch the rest of the series, which I know you're, you're doing, like, it is interesting to see, you know, she hadn't been exposed to a lot of these other things. And certainly she was wrong in that argument. Although I think that, you know, you have to put with the perspective of like she's 19 years old and mm-hmm. and you know didn't realize you know all these things would wind up you know living on forever um but but she wasn't like this closed-minded person right yeah. which which, yeah. which i think made it which i'm not sure if they knew right which right which i think made it that much more interesting for the audience because she was in many cases the the standing for the audience at home of the suburban white kids who were watching this and most of us i mean i i was I certainly had never been exposed to people like 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 Kevin or Norman you know were are are or or even you know um Eric you know what i mean like there were just yeah. people you you didn't know that, that this Eric sort of, the, the like supermodel dude the supermodel exactly yeah. MTV's Eric niece uh, from the grind um yeah like like <laughs> y- you you didn't know you know the, these types of like like people and um and she didn't really seem to shy away from that like she actually understood that when she went anywhere the cameras would follow her so yeah. she like went in like wanted to highlight homelessness because she's seen it which is pretty savvy actually yeah totally and and like i was thinking about so as i watched the really just like the beginning like the montage beginning where they kind of juxtapose now and then and everything i was realizing like man i again they're they're in this brand new situation because they they all have they all have like uh, let's just say, I mean, there's no doubt got to be some level of traumas from that experience, whether mm, it's mm-hmm. related to celebrity, related to things that actually happened in that loft, whatever it is, right? And then they all went their separate ways. And like, I know that for me, um, there are people in from high school that like, uh, you know, I, I could probably imagine somebody saying you should get together and work this out with them. I wouldn't want to do it again in the cafeteria all these years later. But I think for them... I can't imagine there's any other way they can really reconnect and, and reconcile and whatever they need to right. do to put to put some of those things, you know, properly away in the drawer for the rest of their life. How do they do it without going back into the capsule? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and we'll stop here because I know Brett is is, is dying. Say, but did we even get to talking about the homecoming yet? Well, no, because well, we are, because well, that's what he's talking about. Like the okay. homecoming like is, I, is no, kind I, of this I left. I just got back. I'm just okay. checking in. We're, 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 <laughs> but, 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 but I was gonna say, like, um, and and if you need to cut this down, you can, Brett. But like, um, I'm not wa- gonna wa- edit watch, 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 watch the homecoming, Jeff. I think you'll really like it. It's very interesting to see how everyone has turned out, and and it's very interesting to see what people didn't evolve in in ways that you that you thought they might. Um. Uh, I will yeah. just do a spoiler because because I think it's very cool, like especially because and they do focus a lot on, um, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Kevin and Julie's fight and, and they deal with that like very head on yeah. um, and, and both of their traumas from that, you know, and and, and she, you know, had is, has, um, had a very different like uh, perspective. But like what she does now is she works with like getting 
um, you know, um, lower income and, and, and disadvantaged, like, like kids and like, she works with them, getting them into colleges and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and her daughter is like, who's, you know, like 17 years old is like a massive, like, like civil rights activist. And, and, you know, so, and, and Kevin was right. Everything that he said in that argument, people yeah. weren't ready to hear in 92. And, and I think he, he gets his comeuppance, not comeuppance, but like he gets his, his credit, he gets his dues for that because he was correct. Yeah. Um, and, but, but it is interesting to see, like, you see who has evolved and who hasn't. And, um, and, and it's really, really interesting, but I, but I think, uh, because she was the protagonist of the, of the show, it is interesting, like to, I still really like her a lot and it, and it, it's kind of heartwarming in a sense to kind of see like how her life has, has changed and how she's evolved and, and, and it makes you hope, you know, because again, she was kind of like the, the stand in for the audience. Um, and, and this is too hopeful, but like you think like, okay, well maybe the, the audience has, has evolved and changed, you know, and grown too in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, just one last thing, what you said something that was really important, which is that like in that without recapping the conversation or the, the really the like argument and, and discourse that Kevin and Julie were having, like he was fucking right. And also yep. what I, what I, and, and I was coming at it, you know, I spent a good you know chunk of my childhood in a half black, half white household. And so like, I, I was feeling some of that in that sense too, but I was definitely feeling Julie more than anything. Cause obviously I'm the white guy and I like, right. We have some programming. Um, but like what I didn't realize until we were just talking is that that whole series, that whole season was shot over the time that uh, Rodney King. So it's like February yeah. to May and March. Rodney King is beaten. Mm-hmm. And, and that and, was that that was exactly. Yeah. And here they are. And here they are just about, you know, I guess now a couple years past George Floyd's murder. But it's just interesting that there's this kind of connection to those two events. I don't remember the King uh beating being brought up in that season they i don't know if they brought it up or not there are there's some footage in the homecoming thing where i think they show some stuff that wasn't um filmed or wasn't shown on air where it is addressed um and and i know in i know in the los angeles season i think the trial happened and they talked about it but you have to remember i mean this was weird they they wound up instituting different rules but they initially you know like later on you weren't allowed to have television or anything and so they they did Mm -hmm. have tv then you know, they were allowed to were watch news and it came and went. Yeah. I mean, later on, it became much more of a, like, a, They're like, we don't really want race coming in like this again. Well, it's more like, <laughs> we don't really want, like, we, we, we want to control the complete, like, you know, narrative yeah. of, of all this stuff. And, and, and we want to, we're making this a social experiment as, as much as anything else. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, um, I feel like, uh, but like, um, yeah, they they talk about that, and then they also talk about the George Floyd stuff. So I think I think you'll like it, and and now we now we can be be we can be done. Uh, I can't wait. Thank you. You know what? I need a doctor after all that. Um, <laughs> what, what, what kind of doctor? I'll I'll tell you what kind of doctor. Christina, do you want to tell us about Zocdoc? I mm. definitely want to tell us about Zocdoc. But as Brett was saying, after that, we definitely need a doctor. We definitely need to get like our heads in gear. And so Zocdoc is the best way to do that. Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you see them? Well, with Zocdoc, the answer can re- can be a refreshingly pain-free yes. So I have actually been using ZocDoc for over a decade now. It is the only app that I kind of use when I'm looking to find a doctor. I really, really like it. I think you should use it too. Um, What I really like about ZocDoc is that you can use the app to find quality doctors uh, who take your insurance 
in your area in whatever specialty you want. You can read reviews from actual people and then you can book your appointment in the app. So you don't have to call. You don't have to like deal with your insurance company's terrible website to figure out, you know, who who their um, you know, supported providers are. It's all just in the app. It's really, really great. Uh, it is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed. Again, like I said, take your insurance, which is very important and are available when you need them. And so you can read up on local doctors, you can get verified patient reviews, and you can see what other real humans had to say about their visit. And so when you walk into that doctor's office, you are set up to see someone in your network who gets you. And every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I'm one of them. It is my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. And in the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can get your docs in a row. Huh. See, see, see what they did there? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. So go to ZocDoc.com slash overtired and download the ZocDoc app for free and then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash overtired. That's ZocDoc.com slash overtired. It's so easy. It is. All right. So, yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's so, easy. so Jeff added, like Jeff put, pitched a, a bunch of really good ideas for um, this, this episode. Well, the last episode, but we kind of screwed him on the last episode and we just did. talked we just about, talked the, about 90s the 90s the whole time. <laughs> but totally. one of his topics, and I will read this verbatim, your mental health ain't right, colon, one Mac user's early warning system. And I feel like that's a perfect way to get in our mental health corner because for everyone else, it's been a week, but for us, like literally nothing in our mental health has exactly. changed because it's, we just hit a mental health corner an hour ago. Um, exactly. So, so, so yeah. Yeah. So Jeff talks <laughs> about your system, please. Um, okay. So this here's, here's what this is about. Um, I, I have this, this problem. And, and it's like sort of an addiction or something. And it's, it's addictive behavior. I clean install my Mac operating system and everything else, sometimes multiple times a year. And I have long been a little bit ashamed of that because I lose a lot of time. And I recently was kind of like reassessing my general behavior in light of my mental health and some recent diagnoses. And, and I realized that if I'm clean installing my Mac or even thinking about it, I am on the verge of imbalanced mental health. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to gain some sort of control over what feels very chaotic. And so for me, the work I do, uh, involves so much context shifting, so much context shifting that everything can just feel so scattered. And if you if you ma if I match that feeling of feeling scattered with a feeling of just being desperate to have some sense of control over my my kind of work life, my you know what I mean? I what I will do is and I'm not saying this makes sense. Again, this is a mental health, like it's a it's a warning, right? Mm -hmm. Is I will completely clean install. I love a fresh install. Yeah. And then I will just consider all of my apps again and bring them in. And then I will, you know, decide what notes to bring in. And what this has done actually is horrible because it's created for me a digital archive of just, oh, it's awful. It's such a mess. Like I have sometimes, you know, if you figure that I'm like throwing everything onto an external drive, right? 
or I'm, I'm pulling a cloud backup down when I like clean, you know, completely erase the computer. Like if I don't finish that process, which I never fully finish a clean install, then I've just, I'm like going to end up with basically like duplicate documents. Right. So like if my, if my NV alt now NV ultra archive is like in several folders and I don't bring them all in some, they're going to sit out there and then sometimes they're going to join up with some duplicates when I do this again. And pretty soon I'm going to have 60 copies of like one, one, you know, text document of meeting totes. So, this also, if this, if this, hold on, if this all sounds crazy, it's because it is, but what I just realized in this last week was that I can actually go back and look at the times that I've done a clean install and it actually matches up with times that I was not right in other ways in my, in my life. And so it's not just, it's clearly to me, not just that I need to get control of my work life as I used to think, even though I knew it tended to create more chaos than it did calm. Um, what it is in fact is something I can trust that if I am starting to think I want to do a clean install, I may need to find some spaciousness and figure out what's going on with me inside. So multiple clean installs a year and your system's actually messier than if you hadn't done it at all. Does that seem fair? Oh, yeah. Way messier, way messier. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like a pattern for me in my life. So first of all, when I was a kid, I moved like 36 times. Wow. And, and so part of what I, what I have traditionally kind of um, attach this to, cause I'll, I'll do the same thing with like my office or something. Like I'll just like pull everything up, undo all the cables, make a map and, uh, redo all the cables. And then it, there's something that, that feels comforting in doing that. And I have such distinct memories of like setting up my room in an apartment building, my posters, just right. Um, my, you know, my treasured you know, items just right, really loving the feel in that room. And then in six months, having to like take it all down and then move to a new room where it was a completely blank slate. That was frustrating as hell, but it also became something that I liked. It was like, cool, let's start over. You know, I know I have friends and maybe one of you or both of you are like this. I have friends who still have their, their room from childhood exactly as it was. Mine changed constantly. And and I have a feeling that something was written into my brain from that experience, a repeated experience. And it, and it sort of plays out in my adult life where when I need to feel like I need to start over, part of that is literally just cleaning every slate, you know, and, and, and the really like kind of really sad part about it is that it creates a lot of additional mess because redoing a computer system when you're like a quote unquote power user, um, and especially the way I do it, which is I tend to want to kind of like build it all up from scratch. You can never finish that. Like you're never going to get fully finished. And what's going to happen is somebody's going to need a document or they're going to need you to do something. And you realize, oh, I haven't linked those two things yet. And that's the only reason I can't answer this person right now. So I understand I'm describing something that's very extreme, right? But it makes me wonder for you all, is there a way in the way that you manage your computer <laughs> or, or some other thing that's kind of a non-traditional early warning system. Do you have those? Yeah. For me, it's my RSS feed. Like you can, and my GitHub commits. You, well, okay. So maybe not as an early warning system, but as documentation of my, my bipolar episodes. Yeah. Like I can look at, you know, that graph that GitHub gives you showing activity on a repository. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. I can look at my overall Git commits and see exactly where I was manic. Like it's it's a perfect match. I can also I have like you know sleep apps that tell me when I wasn't sleeping too. But uh, Git commits and and RSS feeds. I guess really the early warning system is: Am I making more than two GitHub com- uh, like pushes to Git? in a day then I might be manic. Mm, wow. So interesting. Wow. I hadn't ever thought about this, but I have a feeling, so like you, I, I, I don't think it, for me, the clean install thing is maybe like a, 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 a um, I don't know if it's an early warning sign, although I do like to do it. If anything, sometimes it's, it's a way I can kind of come out of stuff. But for me, it is definitely, I don't know if it's computer wise, um, trying to think maybe if notes are disorganized or maybe again like if i'm not if i haven't accessed stuff that i usually access frequently mm-hmm. if i looked at, if i looked into the data i bet that would probably oh yeah tell me that that is like hey this isn't common right like you're not you're not using something that you usually use and that means that you were depressed like i and, have a feeling and by that, that very common and do you mean when you say that do you mean like a workflow you usually use or yeah. like, what do you mean yeah, yeah. I mean, like a workflow, or, or e- even just an app I like, right? Like, but if there's a workflow like, like that is me, like when I'm in my kind of you know more like not depressed and like kind of happy space, versus actually, you know what? I know exactly a, a great one, and and right now, ironically, it, it is garbage, which is kind of accurate. When my email is completely out of control, that is a mm. sign that I'm depressed because uh-huh. I don't want to go to my email, so I don't want to look at what's being sent to me. So mm. it's it's completely out of control. So when my my email is never in a great place, but when it is one of those things where people send me messages and I just don't see them, it is because I'm not opening it because I mentally can't even go there. That's true. And so my... that to me, good. Yeah. No, I was gonna say so. So that that I think is a is a big indicator for me when I'm depressed is if my if people say hey I sent you a, ma- a mail and and I I have no concept of it because I genuinely like cannot like mentally open my mail. And are there are there other ways that you sort of disappear when you're in that that kind of depressive space? Or is that there like definitely can be that's that there definitely can be. I think email is one of the ones where I feel like I can almost like hide it the best. Yeah, if it makes sense. Yeah, like because because for me with my depression, I never want people to know I'm depressed, and and yeah. then that's a common thing with most people who are depressed. Oh, for you sure, don't want that's to like know. a symptom of depression. Exactly. Like you don't want anybody to know, and and yeah. and so you're trying to like keep on like the like the the, the big face, like everything is okay. Um, but for me, I definitely, uh, there are things also like, like text conversations will be less, you know, I won't comment with people as much and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that is definitely a thing. But I think email, I hadn't even thought about it until this conversation. I think when my email is neglected and where it's that thing where I'm not even opening it. So it's not even so much that I haven't necessarily replied or whatnot, but I don't even open it because I just don't like, I, it, it just gives me anxiety and I just, you know, don't feel like I can. Yeah. That, that is definitely a symptom. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird, right? Because like what I think we're we're all saying is that to the extent that we share with anybody else, either in our life or in our wider community, that we're depressed, our computer knows, and it doesn't yeah. know. It doesn't know because we're opening up a text file and journaling. <laughs> it knows right. because of this or that. Yeah. Huh. Huh. I've long had this this wondering that I I don't want to call it a theory because I think it's it's a little too forward but <laughs> i've always had this wondering you know as i as i've listened to the like power user community over the years um like how i would love to just have 
a way, a language around assessing the connection of like mental health to the need to do certain things, to have that kind of control. Like we all can easily say automations are to make things a little easier for us. We like being efficient. Maybe some people will say, oh, I'm OCD or whatever in like the sort of lowercase OCD. Right. Um, but like when I hear people talk about um, some of this stuff without ever talking about what happens when it all falls apart and why does it all fall apart? I always kind of just suspect, I'm like, I feel like there's a mental health conversation we're not having. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. Anyway, anyway, but I'm so glad for that because it is, I mean, the thing about stuff like what you do, Brett, is that like, you know, like for instance, there's a, there's a bunch file I use when I'm going to be updating my project's website. And I am someone who just for my own like brain chemistry reasons. Like I struggle like hell with context switching so much so that I can get completely paralyzed and like put off something that's actually quite simple for quite a long time. But when I wrote a bunch file, uh, that, you know, tells my computer to basically set up my three screens for, for working on the website, all of a sudden I was working on the website so much more or like Brett laughs at me because on my, on my, um, Synology, despite the fact that I've used Alfred and Quicksilver before that on my Synology, I have a whole page of just apps because something about my brain, there's something that happens between I need to open one password and me opening one password. And sometimes that small moment is just enough spaciousness for me to get distracted. And so like, if I can literally just press a physical button and launch it, I don't lose track <laughs> yeah yeah um man okay i'm only half tracking what's going on right now i'm so so okay here's the story is we're recording a marathon and at this point as you're listening to it it was last week uh we're right. trying to make up for our disastrous loss of two and a half hours of golden footage um, by mm -hmm. recording all at once, but because the first half of this needs to come out on the same day it's being recorded, I'm like editing and trying to podcast at the same time. And that's a totally. to so, total so dick move, total dick move. No, like, we're, no, what we're talking about right now should be like what I'm most excited about and I'm distracted and I'm sorry. You're just the friend texting in the corner. Cause you're not able to be quite there yet. Oh, that's totally. always, although funny. I'm a friend. Although I'm a friend who texts in the corner, but it's also listening. Like I'm actively like, like yeah. my ADHD, I have to explain to people. I'm like, no, no, no. I know it looks like I am not paying attention to you. Trust me, what I am doing, which seems so rude, is actually how I'm able to pay attention to you. So Yes. yes. <laughs> right. The ADHD exactly. Fits. Like, exactly. I, I have that conversation with people and people like don't believe me. I'm like, no, I, look, if I could take this away, I would. But even my, my psychiatrist is like, no, that's actually a very good coping mechanism. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah. like, I'm like, I will literally zone out and not be focused if I don't have something else going on in my hindbrain. But to Brett, but Brett, this is a different thing. Like, you're trying to edit, you're trying to actually do something. <laughs> so the two of us could just go back to talking about the real world. <laughs> and you wouldn't know. You'd just be you like, no idea. still in the mental health corner or what? Um, Okay, you you have some really good things here. I, I want to go into to one thing. Uh, is there such a thing as a perfect nightstand? Oh, Talk to me about you. this. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so like for me, um, I have struggled to have a nightstand that I really appreciate and use and am glad to sleep next to for a very long time. <laughs> like I flip things out all the time. And and granted, I'm part of the problem is I'm not willing to spend a lot of money. Uh, and it's not that I'm not willing. It's that like 
you don't other, you, you, it's the, you don't value the nightstand as like where you should be putting your, your money. well not even that like actually i would be happy to do that if i didn't have the guardrails of a partner who's more f- fiscally responsible but like i for me it's like i just don't know if i can ever define the perfect nightstand and i want help with that because what i always do is i always just get a flat surface so as an example my nightstand right now is <laughs> Is a um, it's a college AV cart from a dumpster, um, (laughs) and it's just the height of my bed, and it's like pink formica, and I love it, and it's on fucking wheels, right? And like has its own little outlet or whatever. But like at the end of the day, it's just a surface to throw shit on. And the more I get old and am medicated, it's like literally looks like I'm in assisted living. It's just like (laughs) tissue. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, this is very right because because it's got it's it's got the the wheels, and you can put your stuff on it. I hadn't even thought about that, but I'm like, yeah, that is totally like assisted living. Yeah. You're like, yes, let me push push the medicine card and, and, and the thing with all the other antiseptic crap. You totally. Know, and on top of that, it's like because it's a college Formica AV thing, it's institutional, right? Like right. I thought it was just adorable as shit when I got it. But and it was more just that it was the perfect height. But like what I don't want to do is get like a, I mean, this is for lack of a better term, like a smart nightstand where I've got right. like a wireless charger in it and stuff. That all would be nice, but I want one that's going to grow old with me. And so what the fuck do I need to be happy with it? So it's not just collecting bullshit. The only thing I have an answer for is I know I need a drawer. Right. I mean, I look, I, why are you attracted to this topic? I don't know because I'd never thought about this topic and, and I don't particularly like either of my nightstands. Um, but I, I, now I'm like actually interested in like going to like CB2 or, um, you know, something and like, yeah. And, and like actually looking like I'm, I'm actually excited about about potentially uh, potentially doing that. But like what CB2 is going to give you is welded quarter inch or half inch steel, you know, square tubing frame, lightweight with like a, maybe a drawer and a top. I feel like the more I look, the more I realize like you can either have really beautiful minimal, which is totally CB2. I love that place. Yeah. Or you can have like gimmicky as shit. Like, you know, yes. you know, here's a place for your pen and your highlighter, you know? Right. right. And it's like, fuck, I just, I don't know what I need, but I need something better. <laughs> yeah. I just want to yeah. lay down in bed and feel like I got what I need. And I'll talk about a house purse in a second. Go ahead. Pat. I kept, I kept <laughs> jumping in with clever things to say over the last five minutes. And you guys kept like talking over me and I was really confused because I checked my mic and it was on. Somehow, on mute. somehow Skype muted my mic. So, like, <laughs> the weird thing is that shit's going to show up because I'm recording my local mic, <laughs> not through Skype. So I'm going to have to go through and edit out all the parts where I tried to interrupt you guys and just got trampled on. Is this all in the nightstand conversation? Yeah. Well, okay. So how many drawers do you need in your nightstand? Is it well, just one? Need- I should not have more than one. Yeah, I feel the same way. But it needs yeah. to be, it needs to be, you know, at least I'd say four to six inches deep. Yeah. Like I need one drawer that's for books, uh, medications that I take at night, things like that. If there's another drawer, it's basically just going to be sex toys. Um, and well, and you, well, need, but even- you need a drawer for that. You do. Like that shit you has do, to go You do. Somewhere. I don't know. I, it does. I don't know. Like, if it, I mean, it could be your nightstand, right? I think it just depends, like, on on your your layout, yeah. right? Like, 
But now you're definitely talking either one very big drawer where your sex toys and your books are mixed up, which is super fucking weird. Which is yeah. currently, you're currently what I have, two uh, I'll admit. I only yeah, have one yeah, drawer say, and it's for everything. Yeah, yeah. See, I would, I would definitely be like, I think that if, if you're not gonna, if, if you're not gonna have the sex toys like in a, um, like a Rubbermaid like bin like under the bed or something, then yeah. then you need to have like a, a separate drawer on the nightstand. Yeah, I think it, yeah, you gotta. It's like business and pleasure. You gotta separate that shit unless it's a mullet. But even there, you're separating it. Really. Should you have a nightstand on each side? Oh, do you share a bed with your partner? Yeah. Is that too personal a question? Um. No. So you, do you each have your own nightstand? Yeah, and they're different. Yeah. Well, obviously, she doesn't have an AV cart. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when I said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually was curious about that, too. I was like, do you have two of them? Like, is it one of those things, like, where, like, like, like your, your your partner is, like, really into, like, the, the um like, kind of kitsch value, too, that right. now, like, that was kitsch when you got it, and now you're, like... Yeah. Oh, now I'm now now it makes it look like the old folks. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. No. So yes, I only have the one. Um, I only have the one nightstand to work with. And but can I tell you that a a solution that I'm hoping is working me towards? It's really an experiment that's working me towards what do I need at bed, which is something I call my house purse. And it's actually like it's. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's it's made by Husky, which is like a brand that makes you know tools and whatnot at Home Depot. And it's like an open tool bag with like all of these. And this is where I feel like I'm such a fucking Tim Allen home improvement asshole for even having this as what I call my house purse. But it's got like everything I would possibly need in it, and I always end up moving shit downstairs when I get up down to the basement if I'm going to watch TV. So I've made, I can't believe I'm making this public. I made a house purse, which I call it. My family can only refer to it by the house purse. And it has, let me just pull it out. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> right now I'm right now. What I've got in there is I've got my meds. I've got um, one that's just for trash. That's key. Uh, I've got some cables in one. I've got different kinds of headphones. Cause you never know, you know, how the spirit will move you. No sex toys. I've got uh, markers and pens. And Would you tell us if notebook. there were sex toys? In here? I mean, so I, I don't know. If there were sex I don't know toys, I feel like you wouldn't explicitly point out that there weren't sex toys. You would have just glossed over it. So I believe you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I got a, I got a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. But like, I also, like, I'll put anything. I feel like my iPad, my my laptop fits in there. And I've been starting to wonder... First, this was like, hey, let's see what I really need by my bedside that is that moves around during the day. But now I'm like, maybe the house purse is the solution. Yeah. I mean, I, th I, th I think a house purse is probably not a bad idea. <laughs> Thanks for entertaining this. I really took this in a weird direction. No, but I mean, I I, I, had, I never thought about that. It's funny. My, my husband, he has like his like purse is basically one of my Delta, like one of my um uh, Delta little to me, like um, amenity kit, like holder thing. Yeah. Yeah. That have, like, I have like dozens of them. Yeah. So he has like some of those and he's like puts like his, you know, stuff in it and whatnot and kind of carries um uh that like kind of around, which which is nice. Well, and it and it actually has like this other purpose. So now let's just switch into um promoting the idea of a house purse. Okay. Forget nightstands, but we can return to that. Like mm -hmm. this morning at uh 1 30 in the morning, my mom texted me and said, I'm having kidney pain. It's not an emergency yet. She has a really rough history. I found her almost dead in her apartment a couple years back and she was in a coma for weeks and all this stuff. And so I lived in the ICU 
which is talk about needing to like have certain things on hand. You're just like helpless if you get to the ICU and your phone's dead, right? Like it's just the worst. And so I, I generally keep stuff around in case I have to rush out for her, but the house purse in a bind, I can just grab it and go and pretty much trust I have what I need. Cause it's a if I'm going to spend the night at the hospital, it's a go bag with, but it yep. doesn't, there are no zippers. This is really important. There are no zippers. It's all open pockets all around it. And the main thing. So it's like, you can see what's in there. Nothing gets lost. Why is that important? Just for visibility. You zip it up and now you're, you know, is it in this pocket, this pocket, this oh, pocket? Yeah. I can look down at my house purse and I can see everything. I have had very few backpacks in my life that have had the exact right number of pockets. Because if there's one too many pockets, it takes, it's like US plugging in a USB cord. It's always, it's yeah. always going to be in the like third pocket you check. But if you have the exact yep. right number of pockets, it becomes like intuitive. You just know where shit is. And that I, I get that. I get, I get planning around that. That's right, Brett Terpstra. Thank you. Thank you. My valuable insight. I, I wish you hadn't introduced me at all because I, I'm realizing that without an introduction, it's just like, who is this fucking nut? Which, um, I mean, honestly, is great. But no, I'm glad that we had the introduction. But no, but, but <laughs> the, 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 I've never thought about the Talsperse idea, but this is, this is an interesting thing too, to just kind of have like, you know, kind of like a, a nice, like soft, like bag to kind of, yeah, the pockets and store things. I, I like this idea actually. Plus, plus it holds a water bottle, so I that actually solves one of the nightstand problems, which is yes. Do I leave a water bottle? Do up you leave here? a water bottle up there? Or do you? There do are something six else? glasses here because it's the last six nights of bringing water up. Exactly. I have. Exactly. I have at and, least and then, six glasses on by my bed right now. Same. I have, and I just have bottles. Like I usually just like I'm one of the terrible people who just like drinks out of the you know drinks plastic water bottles. Um, I'm not as terrible person. I, I totally. Um, I will. Okay. Did you guys see the TikTok of the 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 guy who's attempting to be a water influencer? No. no. Okay. Okay. So there's this guy. It's the most cringe thing ever, and it's cringe for many reasons. I was personally offended for probably really bad reasons. But there's this 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 guy on TikTok who is flexing about spending two thousand dollars on Voss water a month, where he has he has like four fridges and he like fills them up with his like freaking glass, you know, uh, water stuff. And he's like, I, I I, just can't drink tap water. I just can't do this and that. Keep in mind, boss is actually like well water from like Switzerland or something or so they claim. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's drinking tap water. Um, I, he was like, I used to have the, 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 I used to get Fiji, but I just really felt bad about all the plastic and boss is, is, is glass and so much better. It's like, right. So you're importing, you know, $2,000 worth of this water a month and then putting it in fridges, even when you don't need to use it, the the TikTok is the most cringe thing I've ever seen. Let me, I'll, I'll let me find it. Uh, the only TikTok I have ever seen is TikToks that get put on YouTube. I have never been to TikTok. Oh, what a wonderful place! It is truly a wonderful place. I hear that a lot. I don't know. I don't know where I'd be without it. Including like, I you know, like as an example, there's like, there's an amazing sort of mental health TikTok out there for like whatever diagnosis you either may have or be kind of wondering about. It's not people telling you how to fix it. It's a million people saying this is what it is for me. Yeah. And it, but it's also people who create 
completely like creative mental illnesses that they completely don't have. Oh yeah, that's right. There's that too. But for it, my in my case, yes, it, no, it worked. It, the one I was working on. It I, 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 I was going to say it can be useful. It can be useful. But I, I do like the mental health TikTok kind of freaks me out a little bit because you have like people who go from being very helpful and they get a lot of views, and then you see like people who are like, oh, well, I want to be like this, so it becomes yes. You thing. just you just reminded me that at the end of the day, it is the internet. <laughs> Okay, um, and I just oh go ahead, go ahead. You <laughs> know, I was just gonna say I I put in the, the link in 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 our in our chat if if you want to oh, view this this I'm TikTok watch it right now. Can Are we gonna take a TikTok yeah. break? Is that happening? Yeah, let's now? take a TikTok break. Yeah, oh. we're taking a TikTok break. We well, need to watch this so I can so I can rant about this. I so I want to play a sound effect while this happens, but I just realized after we finished the last episode that my sound effects aren't recording the silence so the tracks don't match up so i basically i came out with a track that just had two sound effects on it nothing else and no space between them and i thought i had it set to insert silence but apparently uh, once again sound effects fail me oh my hold on i gotta just hit ah stop playing stop holy shit what is yeah not? so Tell me what you know about this man. Do you know anything outside of what you've seen on TikTok? No, I don't, except that as Taylor Lorenz rightly pointed out, she was like, everyone's going to drag him. And then in a month, he's going to come out with his own water brand. And I was like, yep, absolutely. Yeah. The only thing the only thing that got me, um, and we'll have the link. I'm, I'm putting this in, in, in our quip um, notes. Uh, the only thing that got me about this, and, and and this was a total tangent from our better discussion about like our, our you know water glasses on our nightstands. Um, is that this guy, like, he's trying to flex and, like, be like, oh, I'm so rich. I've got all this money. I spend $2,000 a month on, on water. You know, I, I do this and that. And then he has a freaking fake Sub-Zero fridge. Like, he's got, like, the knockoff, like, Frigidaire version. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay. Good and, and, and I'm like, I'm like, first of all, you... Is it 2006? Are we really like thinking that Voss water is like the end all be all? Is like okay, because people with real money, I have a feeling like have high infiltration systems in their house and aren't getting you know two thousand dollars worth of like glass water bottles delivered. They're like, no, I I have like a you know filtration system and then I have like on tap in every room of my house, right? Um, it, but but beyond that, like it, it's it's the fake Sub Zero fridge thing that just made me. It just was the most. Man. That was the thing that to me, I just went. I hate everything about who you are. Yeah, man. What a jackass. I'm going to edit this okay. whole part out, you guys. You're okay. boring me. Okay, that's fine. Because I, I didn't, but can I I didn't I just say something? watch it. Hold on, hold on. If you didn't watch it, you don't have to talk about it. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> here's, the, here's what I recommend doing on TikTok. This is one of my new favorite things. So I'm a big fan of scrolling the lives. And it's, you know, at its best... It's an amazing, just like montage of humanity, right? Like some of it's depressing. Some of it's super fucking problematic. Some of it's like a guy working at a fishery. Um, and, and lately what I've been trying is I just scroll the lives on mute <laughs> and it's fucking incredible. Like I honestly do that and think about my youth and I think, oh my God, what I have access to here, I'm seeing every corner it feels like of the world like there's the russian guy who's who's like literally live broadcasting from uh you know inside a you know he cut a hole in the ice and dove in and he's barbecuing from the water and and yelling basically right and then the next one is this this dude who's like burned 
all over his body and and he's at, he's just there talking and 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 doing like duets with people where you bring someone on or whatever yeah Next one's a guy djing from his hospital bed right and then of course there are four thousand white women um doing literally exactly the same body movements to yep. to talk to you and and communicate anyway that's you can cut that out too, Brett. But I highly recommend you know scrolling what? Scrolling I'm, I'm going to go keep it up. Scrolling live that I'm mute. I'm betting that I didn't at the point people are listening to this. I didn't keep the like 45 second pause while everyone went to watch the TikTok video. <laughs> but all the rest of it, the rest of it, I'm keeping. I got to tell you about Hunter Douglas before we get any further. Um, of course. Well, actually, which is which is a great segue from our, our our decor conversation. Right. If I had been on the ball. Hmm. Who doesn't love to live well, to be perfectly at ease in comfort and style? Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Perhaps it's the way shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room. Or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide, keeping you warmer in winter, cooler in summer, and lowering utility bills. Or is it simply that Goldilocks moment when you walk into a room and everything about it just looks and feels right? When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, insulation, morning, noon, and night. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't have these yet, but ever since they first sent me this copy, it's all I've thought about every time I walk into my living room, I want, and I want the automation, but I want the perfect lighting. I'm obsessed yeah. with perfect lighting and this sounds amazing. I'm working on getting some, I, I want it to happen. I also want to get a new house with better light coming in the windows to begin with, but Hunter Douglas sounds amazing. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired today for your free Style Get Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired for your free design guide. Man, I'm obsessed with lighting, both natural and electric. I just, I love, I love the right lighting. I don't have that in my living room right now. It's too dark. There, my girlfriend is working on a sweater, and I didn't want to tell her that I thought the color was only mediocre. Mm. And like, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's okay. But at best, it was okay. And then I visited her, visited her at the yarn shop where she works, and she had it there, and she was working on it, and I saw it under their lighting. And I and was you're like, like, oh, holy shit, that is a you picked an amazing color. And of course, <laughs> she knew that she picked it out at the yarn store. Uh, she she knew what she was doing. But it was a it was a, a it dawned on me that we need new lights in our living room. Yeah, I, I would say that's like a good example of of like you needing if you knowing that. But also well done, Brett, on like knowing not to share with her i think it's a mediocre color <laughs> like like a good job like like clearly like well like, i wouldn't yeah, like, i wouldn't lie i wouldn't i wouldn't be like oh that's amazing no i know i, can't I know, I know. You pick such a good color i wouldn't lie but i do know when to maybe we, we, not we, we, be when totally to not share honest. yeah well, well it, 
it's not that you're not being totally honest. It's just like you're not sharing. Like it, it's kind of like I, I've been trying this thing on Twitter. I've had like moderate success with it where I'm like kind of I'm trying to take my own advice. I'm like, you don't always have to share your opinion on everything. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, and that, that's that, that's a new thing I've been trying. I, I still shit post, of course, but I've been like trying this new thing where I'm like, you know what? I don't have to comment on everything. Like, don't uh, don't have to. I don't have to get into the Kanye, uh, Kim Kardashian uh, discourse. That, I, I can actually, I can actually keep my mouth shut. Is that why we haven't had uh, who Christina pissed off on the internet corner for the last few weeks? It, this is actually, this is actually. I was, I was kind of hoping. I, I, I made a a, a a joke yesterday that I was kind of hoping would would piss people off, but it didn't. Um, I tweeted, uh, trying to decide if Pages people or Libra Office people are worse. Libra office people ruin the formatting no matter what they do, but pages people somehow think it's acceptable to send a dot pages file to anyone ever. Fuck, yes. <laughs> right? That's a problem. It is. Wait, say say again? Okay. Trying to decide if pages people or Libra office people are worse. Libra office people ruin the formatting no matter what they do, but pages people somehow think it is acceptable to send a dot pages file to anyone ever. Uh, okay, so, okay. But it's okay to send a docx file to anyone ever. Yeah, because everything can open it. I totally. hate docx so much. I w- that's fine. I, okay, but, but, so I mean PDF is is probably the better better yes, thing. But, absolutely. But but, but, but but I get a page it, and I'm like, fuck! I got to download pages. Oh, like, exactly. Like, it's just like, exactly. look, yeah, I would never send a pages file. But anyone who sends me a docx file is getting opened in pages and it's getting exported. To sure. DocX. And I, and, I you and, can't, you, you lose track changes, which sucks. You do. But you I, do. You I'm lo- grateful you every changes. time, every time someone sends me a PDF, I, I thank them sometimes out loud, but usually silently thank them. Yeah. My, my, my follow-up tweet was, uh, honestly, if you can't be bothered with a .doc or .docx file, send me a PDF or even a freaking Google, Google Docs link, at least then I can export that to a format that will be usable. Um, and, and look, I agree with you. I think PDF is the best thing. And like me personally, I would rather have a markdown file, right? Or, right. or, or even and latex or something like, like look, that would be, or, or Pandoc, like that would be better. At, but at work right now, I have the, the pleasure of most of the things that require group edits being done in markdown through GitHub. And that is awesome. so nice. That is really, really, really great. I, um, that that's, I, I, I'm jealous of that because I obviously, have to use word for a lot of things and i don't hate word i've always liked word better than um uh google docs always um and uh you know pages uh, i hear from people that like when you you know export as pdf like that the, the printing like however the kerning stuff is better than other things and i believe that but but pages is one of those things it's like okay you might have some pretty templates but literally if i get a dot pages file from someone i'm like i'm like what what am i doing with this and, it, and i use a mac 99.9 percent of the time yeah, like, totally. like you said, I don't want to download and deal with pages. Like I don't want to. Like, yeah. What what problem did pages solve? I don't. I have no idea. What whole, what like niche did it fill? I don't. It, it, exactly. It well, it gave them a new Claris works. I guess. Like honestly. Oh, right. oh my That's, god. You know, compared to Word, I love pages. I don't understand the pages hate here. I mean. I, don't know. I, I just haven't had a yeah, reason. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I've, I've never had a reason for it. I also feel like collaborating with people, which, you know, uh, Apple pretends that they can do that, but they really can't. Like, if you ever have to collaborate with someone in a work processor, obviously Google Docs is going to be fastest and, and in some ways like better, but at least you can add comments and you can do other stuff, um, uh, track changes and whatnot in Word. Like, Pages is bullshit at all that. Like, it just is. Like, I would never want to work... 
I would never want to do a multi-edit stuff with someone in pages. Ever. Like simultaneous edits? Or, or like, even passing back and forth. I would never want to do that. I would much rather share a file with iCloud, see someone's changes happen with change history, instead of emailing a docx file back and forth and expecting change tracking to work. I don't know. I mean, I think if with Office 365, and I guess I'm like spoiled in this case, like people yeah. will have the document open multiple places, whether it's in the browser or I, I almost always use the native app. And I can literally see the edits as they're happening. And I can okay. also see the I should history. I should clarify that I've made every effort not to use Word for the last like ten it's years. A good, it's a good word processor. Like I, I don't I never go straight into a word processor, but obviously like when you're working with people, you get word files all the time or you need to work in word files. And like honestly, like the last time I opened Word to have to start from from scratch, I was like, this got pretty awesome. Yeah. And like, I, I haven't had the experience of like, I've been spending 30 fucking minutes trying to make these separate lines. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly kind of where I'm at. Right. Like, I like, 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 I think we can all agree Keynote is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, although we've talked about how, how um, PowerPoint has gotten better, but Keynote is the best. Uh, numbers makes pretty charts and it's fine. I think if you just want a form entry thing, but for, my God, for someone who doesn't know shit about spreadsheets, numbers works great for me, but I like, I wouldn't sure. know what's missing. Well, sure. But that's the thing. Like for, for, for basic stuff, that's fine. But it, but like, it, that's one of those things where like anybody who does any sort of big data thing, like you are going to be using Excel, That you don't have an option. Um, like, like Google sheets is an embarrassment of a product. Um, like, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's not even like in the same like realm, like it, Excel is good, but like, like numbers, um, is fine for basic stuff. Um, but I think even numbers, uh, like enthusiasts would know better than sending someone a, a numbers file. Um, pages though, I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell? But, but LibreOffice I, I will ruin the formatting for everything. <laughs> oh, like yeah. no matter what. Like that, that's, I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Who's sending LibreOffice files? Linux people. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to say, but you're like Linux graybeards. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that, that, that was kind of where, where that came from was, was that, yeah. Yeah. I, this is a non sequitur kind of, but I realized there was something important I wanted to mention in my, I imagine when I was describing the clean install, there are people out there who, first of all, that just hurts their head because it's like saying, I don't know what I like to go shower in the snow. Um, but like, I, I did find a, a way to make the whole process less painful while still allowing me to do it, which is dot files. And so for yeah. anybody who was shouting dot files, you psychopath, uh, dot files have, have come to the rescue and now I can clean install all I want and I'm back and running. Baby. I, I want to yeah. talk, I want to talk about dot files a little bit. Do you also use Mac up? Me? No. Yeah. I use dot files with dot bot and then I I have not done anything because Mac up will like sync your stuff in Dropbox, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I want to do that, but I just haven't gotten there. Yeah. So I will I will say this with like Macup is great because all of your like preference files, all of your um I don't remember what all it syncs, but like basically it just does an automatic job of syncing everything that is Right. Uh, related to preferences in, on any app on your system. But if you mix it with DotBot and you mix it with anything in your like uh, local dot config or dot local folders, you will, you will, it will bite you. 
Mm. Right. Yeah, I bet. I And I've run into that. And I think that's why I haven't used MacUp in a while. Because MacUp is great, like you said, for backing up all the preferences stuff. I wish there was a way to kind of get those things to work more better, like like, like better together, like it, where, where, you know? Like after the last time it bit me, I am a lot more careful about what I think using DotBot. Like I made the mistake of my dot local file. I had specific files within the folder simlinked uh, via DotBot, completely forgetting that the dot local folder itself was actually a simlink from Dropbox. And that was where I really yeah. bit myself. Mm, if yeah, you're, if yeah. you're not stupid enough to do that, uh, either solution is amazing. And together, they could probably be great. Yeah. I, I want like the purest version, which I'm not exactly a purist, but it's like, so I, I sync my dot files with GitHub, like so many people. Um, but if I'm doing that, all that work, and syncing all that stuff with GitHub, then moving to anything that interfaces with Dropbox just feels like uh, so strange. Like I've just basically taken this nice, efficient thing and added this sort of somewhat unknowable ecosystem, right? Like to the mix a little bit. I uh, for for people, I think we've actually talked about Dotbot on the show before because I did a. I talked to you about Dotbot on Systematic and Patrick McDonald's amazing uh, Udemy or Udemy yeah. uh, tutorial. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to find me a link to the tutorial. I linked I Dotbot for anyone who is new to this. Dotbot lets you create. So all of your configuration files for like command line utilities and uh, do is it? Do you have dot files for anything that's not a command line utility? I don't think so. Yeah. So, so it's uh, all, all no, of your have, like yeah, no, I don't. dot rc files in your in your user directory. You move them into uh, a, a directory that you can sync via GitHub or your own private Git server on your Synology, like I do. And then it, it's an automated way to symlink those back to your home directory in one step. So when you're on a new computer, you just you you set up Git and you set up SSH and you pull down your dot files directory, you run the script and all of your preferences are automatically there. And it's perfect for starting new systems. You can even use it for like, if you SSH into hosts and you want to be able to set up your environment in one step, it's mm -hmm. awesome. MacUp, on the other hand, Simlinks basically files from your user library preferences into Dropbox so that when you run it on a new machine and you have Dropbox synced already, all of your preferences sync up. Together, they make a perfect way to be able to do a clean install, like Jeff says, without the like year of work it takes to get your system back the way it was. Right. Yes. Yeah. And like, I'll just, I can get for anybody who's kind of interested in this, but is still a little confused. I'll give a really simple example. First thing I do when I do a clean install is I make sure that all my highlights in my whole system are orange. And I, so I go into system preferences and you know, you go to the trackpad, you go wherever else, right? Like you can, you can do all that stuff with configure config files that are, that are part of your whole dot file setup. So like the first 20 minutes I usually spend on my Mac after a clean install are are part of my kind of dot files or dot bot ecosystem now. I I spend the first 20 minutes trying to use my computer and I'm taking note of all the things that are clearly missing that I can't live without. Yeah. Like like last week's sponsor, Text Expander and one password yeah. and all these things I forget. Although brew, have you ever done a brew bundle? 
Brew Bundle is amazing. Yes, Brew Bundle is so good. And if you install your Mac apps wherever possible via cask, like a Brew cask, yep. Brew Bundle and your Mac App Store stuff too, Brew Bundle can, in one in one command, install most of your apps for you. You again. have to install the, the command line uh, interface for the Mac App Store. Yeah. And, and, and you have to obviously, you know, brew is like probably the first thing I install, like on a new machine. Yeah. Honestly, I, like that's, and yeah, that's one of, one of the first things. And so with brew bundle, like it, it's like you, you basically create something called a brew file. It creates it and it lists all of the things that you, um, have installed via homebrew and kind of organizes them, but there's like a verbose version that will basically give a little like one line synopsis of each app that I find like incredibly helpful oh, for sure. And, and especially if I, you're going to go in and manually edit the, the yes. brew file. Yeah. And yeah. Because I never know if I'm if a clean install is going to hit and I'm not always quite right in the head when it is. I'm a little manic. The best thing I did ever was create an alias called Rebundle, which basically just creates that like verbose brew file nice. pretty constantly so that I will always know that whatever I had created, you know, via like brew bundle is going to be able to just be like instantly downloaded when I clean install. It's so interesting. Well, it's funny because I was I was thinking about this, um, and actually, I think it's what became Brew Bundle. But do you guys remember Boxen? No. Boxen was like a thing that GitHub had that was basically like it was they'd kind of created their own you know kind of you know infrastructure's code thing for setting up new machines and redoing stuff, and then that basically they ended up deprecating it and basically building that into 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 um, um, the Brew Bundle. Oh, interesting, huh? Well, and I mean, there's a. I think I'm right about this. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like package managers, right? For security reasons, whatever, but like, not whatever, but right. homebrew had a problem. I think a year ago, two years ago, there were a handful of packages that, that made it onto the system that, that were written enough, like other popular packages that mm -hmm. people were accidentally going for them. And so right. that kind of security aspect of having a brew file, which lists everything and tells your new system, just download that is like, you know, it's all typed right. <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly it. Right. And, 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 um, yeah. And, and, and like NPM has been going through some of these challenges too. Speaking of package managers, it you know, just with, got with, my notification that I still haven't set up 2FA on NPM. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're going to make everybody do it, which is good. Um, because, you know, there was like a, yeah, why there, haven't there been, I done that? There have been kerfuffles. There have been things that have been happening, you know, w within that. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I understand the the security I guess questions about package managers. I'm also one of those people who's like, you will take a package manager from my cold dead hands. Like, yeah, same. You know what I mean? I'm I'm like yeah. I understand what the risks can be, and it may in fact bite me in the ass someday. Having said that, like it every security is all about risk mitigation. Yeah. And 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 risk assessment. And for me, I'm like I actually think it's a much higher like assessment that I will do something dumb if I don't have those things yes. than than if I than if I do. But yeah, that's a great point with the with the um um the, you know um um bundle files is like yeah like you can have everything typed out and you're not having to worry about like it might accidentally have have the wrong you know thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love package. Me too. I also feel like for anybody wanting to dip their toe in the world of package managers and their Mac users, homebrew is such a, that was my introduction yes. really. Um, and, and I just, it's, it's an amazing new life once you, you know, turn it really is. It really is. I think I was using, I was using Mac force and I was using think before. 
Um, like when I when I yeah. became like a hardcore Mac user, I was like, I was, you know, there, there there was Fink and then there was like Mac ports and there was Darwin ports, and then I think they merged or something. And then and then I think Fink actually became part of Mac ports, if I recall correctly, mm. but I don't remember the the rationale now. And um and and then Brew came out and Brew was just like a revelation and it was yeah. just like it's like, okay, this is better, right? Like it was just really, really was, uh there was one other one that I used instead of ports. I can't remember Was it Fink? Because that's really what I used. Like, that doesn't sound right to me. Like, I remember the existence of Fink, and I remember starting with Mac ports, but finding something else. But you're right. Once Homebrew came along, there was no reason for any of that other stuff to exist. Yeah. And apparently the Fink project is still around, so good for good for them. Um, I, I think that what I confused was that the Mac ports and Darwin ports, I think, merged. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there might have been something else. But yeah, but when Hungry came out, I was just like, yeah, this is this is better. And I remember even being kind of like reticent at first. I was like, but I already have Mac ports. What do I need this for? And uh-huh. I was, oh, and I was like, oh no, this is actually yeah, well, this is better. It's so universal. Like when I write an article and I talk about a tool like FCF, yep. to be able to just say and assume that it will work for a, like the majority of people, I can just say to get this type brew install FCF. And yeah, and if I need to, I can link to homebrew so people because you can install it with one command, and it's just this universal way. Like I don't have to tell people go to this GitHub, download this, make this executable, install this. It's just I can just be like, yeah, here, brew install FCF, and you're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have to say, like I I was impressed with them. I, I mean, I when I use Windows and, and I do have to say, like that there is now a first party Windows package manager, Winget, which mm. is very similar in a lot of ways um, mm. to Homebrew. And and it's it's cool because it's not only tied to, to the Microsoft Store. Um, you can have other things are packaged for it too, but basically you can use it completely as a CLI front end to the Microsoft Store, which is really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so so like it's it's actually like the the um, the you know, Winget is actually one of my favorite uh, things. And it's it's free and open source, but they clearly took a lot of inspiration from um, you know, uh, homebrew and and uh, and you know Linux brew and or I guess they merged, so I guess it's just homebrew. But you know, a lot of a lot of uh, things from that. There was also um, Chocolatey and Scoop. There were some other package managers for um, Windows beforehand. But it's uh, I do have to say, like I appreciate that that is actually now an actual official like supported project for the operating system. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas homebrew, like obviously Apple works with them, but like. That's that's you know sponsored by GitHub and um, you know like they have close relationships with Apple, but it's it, you know they're obviously if, if Apple makes fundamental changes to stuff like you know they have to kind of scurry and work around it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of package managers, I uh, so I use I use Fish the shell mm-hmm. Fish shell yes. Um, and you're familiar with Oh My Z shell, yeah. Oh My yes. Zish, yes. Oh My uh, Zosh, I think it's called. Oh my God. Um. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a Z shell, a Zosh guy. Anyway, I use fish and there's a, uh, uh, there's an, oh, my fish package manager. Um, there's also a fish, there's one called Fisher that you basically have to give it like a GitHub URL and it, it will install from a GitHub URL, but OMF, oh, my fish keeps a central package repository. So you can like search for packages just like with brew. Nice. So I have, I have this I have this tool called Fuzzy CD that I made for Fish that combines uh, 
jump, auto jump, FASD, and FCF all in your CD command. So you can pretty Ooh. much just type CD anything. And if it's a, if it, like jump uses, it's like bash marks. I'm sure there's an equivalent for Z show. Um, so you can like bookmark directories and get back to them, which is like jump nice. and then the bookmark name. So I incorporated that. So if your first argument to CD is any, if it fuzzy matches any existing bookmark, it will jump to that. And then all following arguments are fuzzy searched up to two levels deep, uh, subdirectory names. So I can type CD D O V two, six, eight. And that will jump me to my uh, desktop folder, podcast folder, overtired folder, episode 268. And like, Damn. and it's all built in and it still works as CD. If you type in an actual path name, it'll just CD to that. And if you type CD dot, 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 that moves up two directories, dot, 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 and then successively up. Like it's all this built into nice. just the CD command. So anyway, I built that and I published it for Fisher. But over the last weekend, I made my first on my fish package and I'm, I'm linking it in the show notes. If, if you oh, use yeah. fish and this sounds intriguing, check it out. Uh, the link I don't is use there. fish, but like you keep making me like excited to want to use it. My big thing is, and, and we talked about this before, but I want to ask again, like, how do you deal with the fact that so many things and so many scripts that are out there are, you know, for bash or, or z shell oh, like you can run them like you if it has a hash bang of bash or z shell it'll still execute it with that shell so all of my bash scripts just work i don't have to think twice about it okay so okay oh, go ahead Sorry. no i was gonna say so it'll still execute in 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 z shell or bash as long as it's got that got, got the bang yeah like, it's like it, a, it, as a sub shell okay i mean that's when okay. you execute a z shell script in z shell it's still executing within a subshell, so it's the exact same thing. So I trust I trust you so much. Um, tell me, tell me why to go and play and have fun with with fish. Um, oh my! The for me the way just the feel of using on the command line where and and Z shell is actually caught up with a lot of this. But if I start typing a command, the letters are red until it's a command that's valid. So if nice. I type, if I type, um, D O I, uh, that's it, red, but as soon as I type D O I N G, it turns green and now it auto generates completions for any, uh, any program on your system that has a man page, it'll auto generate tab completions for it. Uh, it's really easy to add your own completions and. Uh, as you start typing, so if I'm in a folder that I have been in before, so I type CDDOV and I go to my overtire folder. If I type CD, it will start, it will auto complete in like faded out text. The last, last time I executed that command in that directory. So whatever I most often execute in that directory will auto complete and I can hit the right key to confirm it. Or I can mm. just start typing something new and it'll autocomplete based on history. Like stuff like that. Like there, there's a bunch of cool stuff about it, but that's once I started doing that, I missed those features anytime I switch back to bash, which, which is what I used previously. Nice. Um, I, you just reminded me of something I think is really important. This is my small soapbox. Um, despite the fact that, 
you know, like I'm, I'm used to man and it means manual. My first like mm -hmm. unit Unix interaction, I was probably like seven in my mom's like room size computer at her work. But like, I fucking hate the term man page. And so I wrote an alias that I just say show and it means man so that I'm not ever just like doing man, man. It's like, fuck this. I'm tired of this. That's so funny. <laughs> my, my alias is help H A L P. Oh, I like that. Nice. I Which like that. I actually, I like that. actually, I think that's probably my help. I like that. Help is good. Help is not just an alias. It actually first checks with man and man dash K to see if it's a valid man page. If it isn't, it resorts to the actual help command. And if that fails, it checks with, uh, I think I used to have it check with uh, TLDR or bro. Um, now it uses, uh, how do I, uh, to get like whatever reference it can find. So basically it's awesome. my all purpose help command help. The thing I love so much about what you do, Brett, is you are the ultimate yes and. Trinity. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay. So, tangential, not even related, but what I've realized working with Fletcher on NV Ultra is like this total difference in communication styles where I'll pitch an idea, which is like ostensibly that's my job is to be the like, here's a cool thing we could do. And his job is to like vet my crazy ideas. But the way he responds is always no. And here's why it won't work. And like, mm -hmm. I know, like Elle and I figured out how to communicate. I need everything couched. Like when, if I'm low energy, I need everything couched in a compliment. I need the response to be, uh, that's a great idea, but I think we might run into problems with this. And then I'm in brainstorming mode. Then I'm in problem solving mode. But when the response is immediately a negative, all I hear is, I hate your idea no, we're not even going to talk about this. And I, I stop, I shut down. Um, I was putting a Canadian coin into an American jukebox. <laughs> I, I'm a yes. And guy, I, I need the, I need people to take my idea and sure it might not work out, but at least like acknowledge that it's a cool idea. And the only reason you're finding problems with it is because you think it could be better, which is how Fletcher explained to me. What I mean is actually this could yeah. be cool, but it needs refinement. And right. yeah, I just like, I have this, when I'm high energy, I can translate it. But when I yeah. like, if I've been manic for five days and I'm, I'm like having these, all these ideas, but I don't have the energy to translate the way other people talk. And when Elle is high energy, she translates for me and like speaks to me the way I need to hear it. But when we're both low energy and we can't translate on either end, that's when things get ugly. Yeah, always. Yeah, totally. Um, I was just curious, uh, th this is also tangential, but we were talking about configuration stuff earlier. Did you both see, uh, it, it's part of uh, 1Password 8, so which I'm not running yet, oh. but did you see the, 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 the SSH? SSH thing? Yeah, yeah, Jeff actually sent that to me yesterday. Uh. I haven't tried it. I'm so not running the beta. It? I was yeah. curious, but um, it immediately said, you need to install the beta. And I went to install the beta and it said, if you want a stable experience, which made me think, I really don't want to fuck this up right now. So, so yeah, so I'm not using it on, but on, on like my main machines, but because I am running one password eight on windows, I did go ahead and try it on that. And mm. it was very cool. Ah, oh, that's so exciting. And and then it got me excited because that has been like one of like the, my, my frustrations is like, you know, trying to sync, you know, your SSH, you know, credentials like yeah. together and whatnot and uh, across machines and whatnot. And I realized 
it might not be you you can you know quibble about like the the security practices this or that but like i keep this stuff in in one password anyway so oh. i would much rather be using one password as my ssh agent than uh than you know something else as for 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 listeners um one password has a new feature in their beta where basically they've created like uh their own like ssh like replacement tool like for for the the agent or keychain or whatever so that it will basically let you access your various, you know, machines and keys. So, so from, it, from it any keeps platform. track of your, your keys. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so I don't use one, I don't use passwords with SSH at all. Like I always generate right. a key and turn off password uh, authentication. Like the only way you get into one of my SSH accounts is with a key. And I have yeah. my keys I've never lost a key. Like I, I sync them via a private um, uh, Synology Git repo, mm-hmm. and I've I've never lost one. But I'd be curious about maybe more secure possibilities. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that you you it also has like a, a, a generate key like feature, so you can like generate keys. You can also import them, um, uh, and. Um, you know, basically, uh, it'll then, you know, let you like kind of, you know, share, you know, the public key if, if you want to do that. Um, it supports a bunch of different types. It'll also do autofilling of your public keys, like when you're on like, you know, you're like when you're on GitHub or something, which is really nice. Can like, it, or, or, can or it install keys on servers for you? Yeah. Huh. Nice. Nice. So, so um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, basically what it's doing is it's replacing like the the SSH agent. Um, uh, and, um, if you, you did want to like do other stuff, like they have more advanced configuration models and whatnot. Um, if, if you didn't want to, uh, completely like rely on, on their thing, but it's basically like a replacement for SSH agent. It's, I don't know. I, I think this is something I've been like wanting for a long time. I've wanted an easier way of managing my SSH keys. And because I don't do what you do, Brett. So, so if you already have a system in place or like a YubiKey or something, this might not be a big deal, yeah, but, but I'm for also, like me, I'm also like all in on the one password ecosystem. Right. So I have yeah, no, that's I have no qualms with, uh, with making this a one password controlled thing. Yeah. I also just really like the idea of being able to generate a key directly in one password without going like, to the command line. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, but, but you could do it from the CLI too, I assume so. But like, what I mean is like, I could, you know, create it for a service or something. And then I don't have to worry about then having to copy it into one password. So when I want to access that service again, I have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So totally. so what's your what's your take? Uh, should I try out the one password eight beta on my main machine or not? I haven't done it yet. Like I said, I only enabled this on the one password eight that is already running on Windows. So I've, I I haven't been able to actually appreciate the full breadth of what this feature is. I'm getting close to being there on my main machine, but I'm not there yet. I'm with you. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm just waiting, you know, like I'm not even mad about the electron thing anymore. Like <laughs> it, 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 like, look, uh, the web one, this is the fact that we've had this discussion. I just want like, like you, I want the stability. So I'm not quite there yet, but I'm like, this is a feature where I'm like, okay, it, this, you know, it, it might be one of those things, like if I were going to be doing a clean install, which I actually have been thinking about, even though this machine is not um, old, but but I have been thinking about, but if I were going to be setting up a brand new machine, like tomorrow, I would probably install the beta. I'm at, that's where I'm at. I, uh, 
I'm seriously considering it. I I saw something. Let's see. If I follow the beta link, they talk about how much they love Mac. And uh, I guess they released the beta for Windows first. So they're excited to do it for Mac. And they don't talk at all about how they left behind like Coco. Right. They love they love Mac, so here's an Electron app. But I I want to try it. Right. I do. I just don't want to install it and then realize I can't go back if it's unstable. No, I mean exactly right. And so with Windows, that I don't even think it's beta anymore. I think that it is just like actually like the version that it is there. So you know, and and the, the native Windows app was fine. I think that the Electron app is better. I mean, it was interesting to read their team's kind of like explanation of why they had to go electron that they tried out kit first and that it, it didn't do what it needed it them to do and to me like that is a failure on apple's part right like well, how would it, electron have more access to the kind of stuff a security app would want to do than the native ap sdk and apis i don't remember now but there were some things with app kit because because you app kit ui kit aren't done yet yeah okay so um I, I, I'm, let me find the, the link. Um, but there was, there was like a whole thread, like they, 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 um, they, they talked about it. They were pretty, you know, transparent about it. And, and to me, it was kind of like a, um, I think it was a couple of things. I think one, it was that they don't want to have different code bases if they can help it because it is difficult for them to have to maintain, you know, the same, like the back end would be one thing, but they, they were fine with, I guess, maybe doing like like native front ends and whatnot. But I think that they just ran into a place where the performance and some of the other things, they just couldn't achieve what they wanted to do um, with uh, with AppKit. Um, so, I mean, especially since so much of what they do now is a, a web app, right? Like so much of this is a service. It's not a local thing anymore. So I, I can I can understand the constraints they have. And of course, there you're always going to have people who are like, well, you have all this money, you can't, you know, um, dedicate it to to having like a native thing. And it's like, well, if the tooling isn't there, and if the performance is not going to be the best, and if you're back in, because at this point, it is a web service, and it's not a local app anymore. Like, I, I understand that they're kind of, you know, between a rock and a hard place, especially if they don't want the the features and the experience is to to, you know, like diverge. So I know, I know I know this has gotten super nerdy and I know we've gone really long, but can I tell you about one other cool thing I did? You absolutely can. Yes, you can. You guys are familiar with my obsession with keyboard shortcuts, correct? Of course. Correct. Um, and have either of you ever seen my default keybindings.dict file? Yes. It's, yes. It's a Not mass- a long time. You haven't seen my dict in a long time? No, um, right. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're not familiar, macOS, you can change, you can add and, and modify keyboard shortcuts using a plist file in a default key bindings folder in your, in your home folder. And it affects everywhere that the keyboard can type, it affects it. So it's adding universal shortcuts. So I got crazy with that. I made a key bindings file that probably has maybe 80 different key bindings, more than you'll ever need. But... I set it up so that I just add a comment before each key binding definition, and then it's self-documenting and can output like a markdown table of all the shortcuts and what they do. Uh, oh, wow. I, I, I used to use it with, I wrote an app called Cheaters, 
that yeah. oh i remember cheaters yeah, yeah. it was Love like cheat sheets and it had full keyboard navigation and it worked well when fluid could make me, uh menu bar yep uh yep little apps but fluid is kind of dead and nothing fluid. has replaced the features that cheaters needs to work so i've been using dash a lot mm -hmm. and dash has there's a gem called cheat set that you can feed a a, 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 a formatted uh, Ruby file, and it'll generate a cheat sheet for Dash. So I modified my self-documenting system for the key bindings to output a Dash cheat sheet. And I published the script because nobody should be using my entire key bindings file, which means that any cheat sheet I made for it would just contain a lot of shit you don't need. So mm -hmm. now you can edit the key binding file, just remove all the stuff you don't need, change the Ooh. shortcuts any way you want, then run the script and you'll get a dash cheat sheet of your personal key binding settings. And you can update it anytime, anytime you make a change, you just run the script and, and it's done. And it's, it's perfect because I have so many keyboard shortcuts that I will, if I don't use something often enough, I'll forget what I set it to. Right. And with like, you know, I can just pop up dash type in it's fully searchable type in what I want to do, get the key binding, and then I'll remember it. And if I continue to use it, then it's muscle memory. But the cheat sheet is is important if you're as nuts about keyboard shortcuts as I am. Yes, comma, and. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, comma, and the Brett Terpster story. That is actually going, that should be the title of, of, of your book, honestly. That's the title of the episode for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Let me, let me add that to my notes. Actually, I'm going to spell out comma. Is that okay? Yes, comma, and the Brett Terpstra story. <laughs> it reminds me of the, the best, um, um, like, uh, I guess, slogan I've ever come up for, for, for a company. So my, my friend um, Prashant works at uh, Timebase, which is a uh, um, um, time series um, um, database uh, uh, company. And um, they... Um, um, or not, not, uh, not time, time scale. Uh, um, are they time scale? Yeah. Time scale. Sorry. Um, and, uh, but, but they use time series databases, time scales as a company. Anyway, the, the slogan I, I told them that they could use, they haven't, but, but I hope they do someday was that their, their slogan should be no comma sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Steve awesome. comma from college. Oh, a callback to a previous episode. <laughs> All right. We've gone, I think. I think we're at like an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> and we didn't have, we didn't have any clean breakpoint. This is all getting published as one episode. I love it. Look, it's a boat. It's a, it's a happy, like bonus thing for, <laughs> for, for the listeners. You can just, you can enjoy like a 25 minute discussion about the real world. But if you're not into that, you just skip into the nerdy stuff. Maybe right. you should just make that clear in the show notes for people. Like if you don't want to hear a 25 minute, like <laughs> discussion about the real world, we do actually talk about, um nerd stuff too <laughs> awesome. i will uh, i will i will add markers so in descript if you add markers in while you're editing it will automatically turn those into chapters when you export which is, oh, nice. is awesome. so good yeah it is um i really don't know why they don't sponsor us honestly i i have actually pitched it to them and they're like yeah, we'll think about it, and then I never hear from them again. <laughs> anyway, hey, you guys, thanks for a marathon recording today. People aren't even 
And, you know, they listen to this over two weeks. They're not aware of what kind of effort we put into these two episodes. <laughs> Heroic. I, I even have the show notes for next week already done, but now I have to go and publish the first half of this. Uh, I have to go publish last week's episode here at the end of this week's episode. Mm -hmm. This is how the sausage is made, folks. This is how yep. the sausage is made. Yep. I love you guys. Man, you thank too. you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you guys. It's always thank a pleasure. You. Yeah, thanks for being on with us, Jeff. This has been really fun. My pleasure. And there you have it. Two weeks with Jeff Severns Gunsel. Tune in next time. Uh, you know, it'll be over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, guys. Same overtired place, same overtired channel. Get some sleep. <laughs> Get some sleep. Get some sleep. Bye. The system is going down low.